1: Black more black 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 more black black more black 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 black
2: My name is James E. Shorey, and this is Blackball. I have a particular fondness for these episodes. I think I have maybe eight or nine in total. And those kinds of episodes are the ones where we get to speak for the first time on Blackball with an ex-member of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. Because I gotta tell you, for all of the uniformity that this cult has in the way that the localities are set up and all the rules that prove that the brethren male have no self-esteem. There is a significant difference between all of their stories of when they excommunicate. There are overarching similarities like um, the doctrine of separation being utilized against couldn't see your family. But there are, like, the interesting thing is I didn't think they'd be this diverse of a group. Their personalities what they went through, how they're sort of translating that experience into their life today. So with that in mind, I'd like to welcome our guest today. Her name is Ann Hamilton.
1: Anne, how are you? Hi. Hi, James. How
2: are you? I'm doing well, thank you.
1: Um, so
2: I like to start these interviews out um, where I'm very predictable because- <laughs> okay. Because I, I find the following question probably the most fascinating. And that is, um, and we'll get to all the other stuff, but I, I'm curious just as in, just as a sort of to capture the entire thing. When you look back at the person who was all in for the Plymouth Brethren philosophy and the person you are now, do you recognize yourself or is it just like a total transformation? Um, I, mostly, yeah,
1: I, it's a transformation, yes. Hmm. But in saying that, uh, from the age of 13, um, I had doubts about not just the brethren, but about the Bible, about the belief system in general. Um, But yeah, if I look back, well, it's almost 10 years since I left. And if I look back, can I recognize the person? No, I have changed a lot. Yeah, I've changed a lot.
2: Do you, does it take... um... And this is subjective I guess but did it take you a little while to come to grips with you know what I guess I was in a cult like like how long did that realization take or were you still in it when you had that realization
1: No no definitely not um but when I when I left I would say it didn't take me that long to realize but it would have been about a year
2: Wow Yeah, yeah. um that decompression time must be like a, I don't know. Would it be a roller coaster? Would it be numb? Is it like Truman's world where you get out of the bubble and you're like, Oh my God, there's a whole other world out of here. Like,
1: do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. And, and you know, you talk about realizing you're in a cult. It's when, when you step outside and you look in and you go, what yeah. did I do all that? You know, uh, I was just saying to a partner earlier, I remember saying, to my mom you know about after i left i said mom when you step outside and look in you see it for what it is and she didn't disagree with me all she said was why did you step outside
2: yeah wow that what see that's the weaponization of faith that i like to talk about once in a while with the the the, the utilization of certain concepts that are draped in a language of religiosity that make people think illogical things just basically for the fucking sake of it. Cause someone said have faith or something like that.
1: Yeah. 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 Know? Yeah. yeah. And you know, and, and I think of my mom and I'm not saying that she, you know, I, she hasn't got a faith, but for her, you know, she's had a happy marriage and you know, it, it's not been a difficult life in a sense as a, as a brother and woman i suppose mm-hmm. and yeah. i i sort of understand that it's easier for her just to, to fit along with it you know mm-hmm.
0: um
1: there
2: is a um one common thread that i have kind of noticed is uh that some ex-members uh recall being kind of perfectly happy you know like an like almost like an ignorance is bliss sort of happiness mm-hmm um but for others that is not their experience at all um and can you just tell me this is going to be a broad question but can you tell me you know how old you were when you remember something that you're like well this isn't right um, you know what's what's happening here and and then the years that followed and what that experience was like
1: yeah i mean i would say like as a child growing up um You know, it was a fairly happy childhood, but there was this underlying fear with me. And that was from about the age of four when I first heard the words, the rapture. And that fear, yeah, I'll never forget it. You know, there was so many sleepless nights from the age of four. And even after I left about the rapture, because I never, I never actually felt ready. Like, they kept saying, are you
2: ready? It's so manipulative. You know? The, the, it's just, it's what all the televangelists use, too. Yeah. You know, as a primary weapon to convince people to part with their money, I guess because they think Jesus is, like, really concerned about inflationary rates and, uh, <laughs> and and what the legal tender of each country, like, it, it doesn't, make any logical sense why would an omnipotent being care at all about money like I, I, you know yeah. even saying that out loud i feel stupid just for yeah you know,
1: yeah, yeah yeah exactly
2: yeah, stellar yeah. point, a brave you know comment that i just like yeah you know um again weaponization of faith um okay so sorry um so i'm gonna backtrack again so how old were you and then where where were you by the way exactly and how many people inside your locality
1: okay so i was born in northern ireland and um there was so i was part of belfast as the locality um,
2: Also, it also northern Ireland, also known as the most stable part of the united kingdom
1: wasn't quite like that when i was you're growing probably,
2: up you're probably extraordinarily tough <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Really?
2: Yeah.
1: yeah 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 i've witnessed a few bombs in my time as well yeah 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 okay. um yeah. so yeah my our family were sort of thought of as a bit um, special, I suppose. So my my great-grandmother is a sister to one of the men of God, JT Senior. So my really? my grandpa and the JT Junior, who I would say made it into more of a cult, were first cousins. Oh, really? Yeah. So, yeah. We were in a locality of around 250, 300. Okay. Um, that's just and, enough uh,
2: si- That's just a big enough size for politics.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. Well, yeah. My grandpa was a leader for many years and, until he died when I was just seven. Um, and then, then it was my dad. Uh, so, yeah. That made it a bit of a – you were always a bit on the outside of the group, if you know what I mean, of young people. But then I tended to be a bit of a rebel, so I was always
2: sort of yeah. That's good. You weren't susceptible to the, I guess, um, cultural underpinnings that was basically women are second class citizens, right? Like you, 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 I, you had. You sound like you had an instinct to be like, women are yeah, yeah, definitely,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: why yeah, is that yeah. fat drunk bastard worth more than me? <laughs> <I> understand? <laughs> yeah,
1: there was definitely, and and you know, the the not being allowed to talk to the opposite sex. I definitely broke those boundaries, you know. Um, well, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it yeah. Must
2: be, there must be some moments, like sometimes I like to see if I can find a little kernel of positive something outside uh, or inside the brethren. Um, One time I told Richard, I'm like, you know, not for nothing, but brethren kids seem very polite. I'm sure it's because of a lot of horrible things, but nonetheless. <laughs> You know, like yeah, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Jesus seems like a winning strategy, and I I don't do that because I'm I don't not I'm not a believer, and I also don't hit my children because yeah. I'm not a monster, and so I literally have no leverage at yeah, all. Not all. This is yeah. like the first generation because the generation below has probably smacked a little bit, you know, spanked a bum yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and my generation we were hit with belts, fucking like wooden yeah, spoons yeah. and stuff. I, I'm just curious what it is, you know like how it's looked at by, uh, inside. And then when you get out and you look in, you know.
1: As a, as, as a child, you mean? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like, like yeah. the visiting uh, Cheryl said something once Cheryl hope on a podcast where she sort of likened the journey that she took from where this all started and, um, the police report and, and all of these different things that she had never done before that she had thought of doing for years. And it was like, um. It was an experience for her that I think I think shaped her. I I, I find her to be like her personal growth was, is just like night and day between like the, her confidence and, and and frustration. And every time she drops an f bomb, I'm like, oh, she's good. She's, she's yeah, good. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, no. When when you listen, if you listen back to that first podcast where she mm. talked the difference in her now, and I, yeah. and I think yeah, I think writing my book is actually. Seeing it in black and white, and actually going, I went like this is what actually happened, and it's yeah. just it's it's just strengthened me to go. You know, I, I'm not scared of them. I just wanna. I, it, I just can you I can, is it, like would, it, make it easy,
2: would it make it easier if I asked you to like sort of start at the beginning? If we're going down that sort of um, facet of your of your life as a childhood, uh, um you know, uh, being victimized at the hands of adults? Can we? You know,
1: I will the- I'll, I'll, I'll say like my my dad and my, my parents weren't abusive in any way to us as mm. kids, um, but I didn't even think about it until Cheryl was talking to me recently about, um, you know, child se- abuse, child sexual abuse, and I remembered this old guy that used to chase us. We were probably from ten up to sort of sixteen, chase us to kiss us.
2: Wow. Well, how old was he?
1: How old? Oh, he was a, 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 uh, he was in his late 50s at that time. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, and... <laughs> and, and we Really, incons- were, really
2: in- inconspicuous. Just an old man chasing children, sure. like...
1: Yeah. And and he would pinch... If he walked past a young woman, he would pinch your bomb.
2: Oh, so he was yeah. Italian.
1: <laughs> Sorry? <laughs>
2: I said, oh, so he was Italian. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> we don't pinch
2: we smack and be like, what, was that guy over there? No, I'm just kidding.
1: Um, In a a way, I was sort of preserved from that a little bit, I think because my dad was a leader. Yeah. And he was sort of keeping an eye out on that type of thing. But I had a... um, I don't really understand why, but I had a fear from a very young age of men. I was quite happy to play with the boys and flirt with the boys, but I had a fear of men.
2: Well, that just could be like evolved instincts because we're kind of awful people (laughs) like every time someone said that's a really nice man I know there's some slack being cut you know like okay um but no my sister had the same thing she she like and it was kind of cute when she was a young child you know up until the age of five or six she was like I don't want to be around men, and I don't want to hug Uncle Bill
1: yeah 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 that's exactly it you know Uncle um, Uncle Desmond would say come and sit in my knee and I'd be going, I don't want
2: to sit on your knee. Do you know what's interesting is that I know a lot of people who experienced trauma when they were children. And there seems to be kind of like two camps. Okay. The camp that I belong to is the, we are at a children's birthday. This is me talking to myself in my head. Yeah. We are at a children's birthday party. Under no circumstances will there even be a way to misconstrued some sort of weirdness with a child. Yeah. And that's it. If a child wants to hug you, you go like this, (laughs) right? Like I, and I do that for the benefit of the other parents. Right. I try to make eye contact with them. Like, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah." Like I want to make sure everyone's fine. Yeah. yeah. And then there's other people that are like, well, I I have to stand up for the child that I once was and geez, be the most affectionate person ever with children. And I'm like,
1: I don't know if that's a good strategy. (laughs)
2: You know, like it's
1: it's a tough world.
2: Right. Yeah
1: physical, although, yeah, although like my uncle would have asked that, physical affection within the brethren isn't a thing really. And, and, and you know, I feel I something that's really noticeable and I feel awful about is I don't ever remember actually saying to any of my children, I love you.
2: Oh, that's just Britishness, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> we were talking about that, about COVID, about how, like, I said to someone, "I'm like, yeah, COVID is like everyone's isolated. We're all in our homes. We never see our families. It's it's like we're fucking British now. Like <laughs> hey, we we're, we're kind of relieved we're not seeing our families, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But that's but, I find it I find it fascinating the the fact that these little localities are are small in any sense of the word
0: because oh, yeah, yeah. you know
2: it, it, it's these are tiny little enclaves." But then, you know, but the business model of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church that is applied to every locality is multi-level marketing.
1: Certainly not, yeah. Yeah, it's you
2: multi-level marketing meets a Ponzi scheme, meets a Sunday Mass at church where they just say, give me your money for some reason. And that is, it, it is blatant. as far, Like, to me, it's 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 completely blatant. And I don't understand why it is allowed to exist. <laughs> I just don't. No, no.
1: no you know um, what i
2: think it is i think the thing that makes it the most absurd is what protects it and that is the belief in in a god yeah
1: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that is absurd yeah yeah <laughs> okay i um let so, me talk yeah. a lot less
2: let me talk a lot less please That's um, right.
1: um no just so at the age of 13 i think uh I, yeah like i said i just died i died the bible i died at everything it wasn't just the brethren is um, there it, a
2: trigger or a tipping point
1: or something? I just that I couldn't believe that those stories were true. <laughs> you know? Oh,
2: oh, you mean the talking snake and the yeah. worldwide flood yeah. because God got angry? Yeah, yeah.
1: And That's I kept hard. bargaining. I kept having bargains with God. You know, if this is all true, then you know, do this or do that. You know, and then I'll believe it. And it would keep going on like that. And then at the age of 16, me and um, two of my friends sort of consciously talked about leaving. Um, well, I was only 15, actually. I had no money. I was still in school at that point. Um, no, yeah, we just couldn't do it. We we just couldn't bring ourselves to even hurt our parents in doing it.
2: And what was the main reason that you wanted to leave? Like other than, you know, the the biggest reason, which is that it's, a cult the but was there
1: I suppose suppose Because we went, we went to normal school, so it's not like the kids in there and I where they don't see the outside world. We did see the outside world, and I did live as close to it as I could. Mm. You know, I tried to have friends. Obviously, it was difficult because you had to go home for lunch and all that stuff that you're excluded from. But I wanted what they had. I wanted what I saw on the outside world.
0: Yeah.
2: Men without haircuts that are parted at the side, for example. <laughs>
1: Okay. yeah,
2: anyway, we decided what, not to. One thing I heard you say was that you were um, arranged to be married and you met the person when you were 17 and he was 13?
1: No, no, he was 18. Oh, 18. Okay,
2: okay. Oh, there goes my child groom joke. But yeah, um, <laughs> I thought... <they'd...
1: laughs> but
2: still, like it's very... Um, I don't know. Is, it, is that Hindu? I, I don't know. Uh, you know.
1: I wouldn't, the... like, I wouldn't say it was arranged exactly. Um, so I decided, okay, I can't leave. So my only other option is to get married. Um, and there wasn't really anybody in Northern Ireland that I could marry. Um, marriage
2: is the better choice, then that other thing is awful.
1: <laughs> well, I thought that. That's what I thought. Is there a visa
2: involved? No, just marriage? Oh,
1: yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, we met. He was 18, I was 17. Hmm. We met um, at one of these three-day meetings. Have you heard of those?
2: I um, Pretend I haven't, because I think my audience would be interested in um, uh, listening to the actual blueprint of how the scam kind of works. <laughs> right,
1: <yeah. laughs> well, I suppose they were they were actually used as a way to often for young people to meet when they got to marriageable age. Oh. um, But sort of, because I had like, I suppose in their eyes turned a corner and I was a, being a bit more committed. You know, it was my turn to get an invite. It was yeah. my first three-day meetings, which are, yeah. Well, coming from Northern Ireland, we left on the Thursday and then you had Friday two meetings, Saturday two meetings and then Sunday your four meetings. Okay. Um, me what,
2: what would it look like? You go to this uh, three-day meet, you get there. What are you looking at? Who's talking and what are they talking about?
1: Well, the first thing is you, you don't stay in a hotel, obviously.
2: Obviously. You might run into an worldling, right?
1: Yeah. So you stay with other brethren. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the house is full of all these other brethren. And, you know, then I can't even remember who it was that was doing the talking. But, yeah, then there's a, a special brother that's assigned. Sometimes it's actually like the man of God but this time it wasn't. Have the man of God, me. you mean Bruce Hills?
2: Yeah. Bruce Hills is the man <laughs> yes. of God. Yes.
1: Um, I got quite quickly distracted in those first meetings that I went to. And that's where yeah. my eye wandered and saw this guy. That I thought, hey, yeah, he looks all right.
2: <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Was it like, <laughs> ma'am? Did he give you a ma'am look? I don't...
1: <laughs> yeah, that is what it's like. If you like somebody, or to find out if, if, if another if a young man like you you had to sort of count how many times he did a little smile or winked at you across the meeting room
2: a young man like me oh i would just walk oh i thought you said like me i was because i was like I'll, I'll just walk across the room winking at all of them and just see if something, <laughs> something happens no,
1: not you anyway oh, same bonnet.
2: So,
1: oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah i looked at him and and yeah, we started the winking, smiling game, if you like. <laughs> that, that
2: was... <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I don't think you're the ones that started it, but okay, you know. <laughs> that sounds no, like. A, a, but, but that's that sounds like a happy moment, though, like isolated hey, yeah, by itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, so, but um, we weren't really meant to talk. But me, being me, I went up to him after one of the meetings.
2: Oh bless your heart yes <laughs> go on please
1: it didn't matter that he was uh, six inches shorter than me
2: <laughs> the story gets to keep better and better because i'm five foot six please go on <laughs> <laughs>
1: well he's yes. five three he's five three and i'm five oh. nine <laughs> even i could play anyway,
2: that guy but
1: that's what <laughs> took me off yeah i thought well he smiled and winked at me so he must you know like uh, That's so always the first
2: two signs of someone really classy, Anne.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Smile and wink. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we had a little conversation with another guy. We weren't on our own. And um, as soon as the other guy went off, he was like... Was he a chaperone
2: or was he just like...
1: No, no, he just happened to no. be there. Oh, okay. When I approached him, he was there. Yeah, when I went into yeah. my sort of flirt- flirting game, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was a hanger. He was like a Klingon. Yeah, still scoping the scene before he was like oh she likes him
1: yeah. yeah and then he walked off and then yeah oh we couldn't possibly be seen talking to each other on our own you know yeah so and I never spoke to him that was on the Saturday morning and I never spoke to him again until he gave a note to who I was one of the girls who I was staying with uh, to meet him round the back of the meeting room that's right yeah your
2: make out point or something
1: <laughs> so that was the second conversation we had um that sounds yeah, actually absolutely.
2: kind of like old-fashioned and a little bit romantic even like it even has that built-in suspense like well, i didn't see him until this time like, oh yeah it was me. all very think.
1: exciting yeah uh yeah so he met around the back of the room hoping that nobody would see us because i was too young and he he shouldn't have been talking to a girl cause he couldn't afford to buy a house at that at that point. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Is that a rule? Oh, oh yeah. 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 That's a rule nine. Rule nine. Really? No, 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 that is a rule.
2: Oh, right. that That is insane. Um, I would be alone forever. Like I, <laughs> you know, just out of principle, I'd be like, I'm not transacting a house for a wife. That's crazy. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It might even, like, compel, not compel, but um, influence bad husbands to treat their women like property if that if that is the exchange. This is yeah, like yeah. a dowry, but in Western cultures, a dowry looks weird, you know? Like, I don't know.
1: That, yeah. th- I didn't know that until
2: today, you know?
1: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah all my, my, my three sons that are married, all of them had to make sure that they could have, number one, afford a house, and
2: afford to keep a wife Can I ask you? Are are the women like, oh, you ain't got a house? Well, fuck you. I, I ain't going with you. Like I say, you know, but in a nicer way. Do they look at it like that? I, well,
1: it was it was one of the first questions I asked
2: him. Well, coming from you, that's different because you're five nine. You just have to walk up to him and be like, "Listen, asked you a question." <laughs> <laughs> Did you carry him to bed ever, Ann? Did you like pick him up and carry yeah. him upstairs? <laughs>
1: Uh, anyway
2: uh, the, i want the audience hold on i want the audience to understand something this is not an accidental freewheeling kind of silly conversation i told him before we went on air that um i'm not sure i don't know if i was this specific but i i kind of wanted to do i i was watching watch the first 2025 the podcast you did on the get Alive podcast with cheryl hope and richard and carmen and i think lane and I, I watched it, and then I, I just had, was overwhelmed with this thought of it doesn't have to be, despite the fact of what you did experience and how serious it is and with things, it doesn't have to be really dark. And no. um, you struck no. me as a person um that we that I could have the exact kind of conversation that we've had up until this point, yeah. which I think is kind of a first for me interviewing an ex member. I am being a little bit more casual than usual. But um, I think it's the right choice. I think we were right before we went on air to kind of treat it like this, um, because yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: it's
2: just—I got—it's just—I I can't take it anymore. <laughs> it no,
0: no. Just... I
1: was just going to say sometimes, yeah. you know, I, I can't listen to all the podcasts even because it's like a overload. And, like and I talk I'm...
2: to rappers and hip hop artists just therapeutically as yeah. I'm coming down off of a brethren high you know yeah
1: yeah yeah
2: and um that's why I, I think i'm gonna try to go for a little more like this anyways now we're talking about how we're talking which is always a mistake but um okay uh are you able to fast forward to uh so you're married and then where i guess like how long did it take before it started to break down from within and then when you left
1: okay so so obviously when i married he lived in coventry so i had to go and live in coventry you have to go and live where the man is. So I had to move countries, move cities, Obviously. move yeah. localities, yeah. Uh, so um, I was 18, yeah. So we got married like 10 months after that first meeting. Okay. Um, we saw each other six but times. it wasn't an
2: arranged marriage.
1: <laughs> yeah. We saw each <laughs> other six times for one hour a month. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, anyway when uh when did it start to break down it actually i suppose was breaking down before he married him from my point of view i saw some red flags
2: you have that in common with the outside world so yeah yeah yeah
1: well you know everybody i talked to my parents and everybody was like i'm, I'm a sister i think as well she was married no no like, oh everybody has these doubts, and it's you Know it'll we'll all be fine, you know, and the wedding day was close, and so yeah, so I went on and married him. Um, I was, uh, looking back, there was pro I remember one time, which was in 2006, when I was definitely ripped. I know that, but when I we looked de- back,
2: you so we were definitely
1: rip R A P E, rip. Oh. R-A-P-E.
2: Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you said rip. I'm, I'm sorry.
1: It's my <laughs> accent. It's my it's accent. an
2: awful word to make you repeat over and over again. That literally is <laughs> the worst that could ever happen. I'm sorry. Yeah. Awesome. Go on.
1: Um, but looking back, I, th- I think that actually happened a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. um, but the I, to talk about the breakdown, I suppose we didn't know each other. How could we love each other? Yeah, Did we ever love each other? I don't, for my part, I don't think I did ever love him. Because I, when I knew him, which is when I saw the first signs of the sort of person he was, Hmm. I didn't come to love him.
2: Did you um, know that you were being uh, assaulted in real time? Or was the whole role of men and women so pronounced to you that you weren't even sure if it was wrong?
1: Oh, I wasn't sure it was wrong. I thought that was just the way it was.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
2: That is one of the most poisonous aspects, eh? Like it's just- Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That, That is one of the worst things, I think.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, like I say, in 2006, when I woke up to him having his hand over my nose and mouth, and raping me, that was, I knew that that was wrong. And I went to my parents about that.
2: And what did your parents say? Specifically your dad, I'm curious.
1: My dad didn't say a lot, to be honest. It was more my mom just comforted me. But there was no question of taking me away from it.
2: See, that, that is the part of, uh, that's how I know it's a cult.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I don't know many fathers. Mm. And, I see, and I see men inside the brethren in like one of three pools. Um, either they're part of the mechanism that makes it a really shitty place, or they're kind of like blind followers that don't really kind of know any better. And then there's young people, and, and that's sort of my very overly simplistic view of what yeah. brethren men are like. It is like they have no idea what the what the outside world would do to them if they're if if the PVCC just disappeared and you got one of those guys just like okay now you work at IBM, good luck in life, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I, they'd be fired in a week, you know, it's
1: so uh, yeah, I know. mean there's always this rule of parents should never interfere in marriages.
2: Is shooting my daughter's rapist interfering, or is it just cleaning the yeah, exactly <laughs> Do you know
1: I mean, there yeah. was times there was times when my dad would come around and have a bit of a conversation with him, and, you know,
2: he had a conversation with him that didn't end in.
1: Oh no! No! Oh no! Just definitely a conversation. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But in and um, so yeah, the the breakdown of the marriage was I don't know if there ever was a real marriage. If you know what I'm saying. No. There um, wasn't. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and obviously, no contraception. I was very quickly pregnant, so I had my first child at nineteen. Mm. By the time I was twenty three I had three children wow um and then I had a miscarriage and then I had another two who were very close to each other um, so it's like two families so it was like eight years between the first three and then the, the second two um in 2003 yeah 2003 uh, for me things just got to a head it was well, Bruce Hale had just come into par for a start, hmm. and there was a lot of shit going on there. Um, and then, yeah, the marriage was just getting worse and worse. I had these five kids, two little ones with just a year between them. Um, and I suppose I had a, I had a nervous breakdown, really. And oh,
2: you had more than three kids, of course you did. Like I was. <laughs> I'm having one right now just being like What's <laughs> a, being a father of five. Like,
1: and I, and I, I, I found my mom and I just said, "I'm, you know, I'm I'm ready for jumping out the window. I can't do this anymore. I can't live with this man anymore. And my dad and mom, in fairness to them, they got in their car. They drove over to Coventry. They literally just picked me and the kids up and took us back to Northern Ireland.
2: Where it was safe.
1: Where it was safe. Yeah. Um. When I got there, mom took me to the family doctor, and I was I was basically just so I don't really remember that summer. I was so drunk up.
2: How old were you in that summer?
1: Uh oh, two thousand and three. How old was I?
2: You're twenty then, or?
1: No, no, no. I was in my oh. no. I had, had all. I was in my thirties. Okay. I had all five children by then. Yeah. Um. um and then. After the summer was over, I was sent back. Sent um,
2: back from Northern Ireland back to the locality?
1: Yeah, yeah, back to Coventry. And back what was Old going Street. on
2: behind the scenes politically? Like, were you being, like, priestly visits were now imminent? Like, what, what was happening there?
1: No, it was all hush, hush. Everybody, the, the, everybody in Coventry was just told I had taken ill. Is that a
2: Symington factor no, this, is that is that Bruce a like
1: Hales. this is Bruce Hales time
2: you no know, but what I mean is um we're like because you are belong to the Symington kind of family tree anyway. so are you treated with a little bit more privilege than others
1: oh I see what you're saying yeah yeah
2: yeah, uh,
1: yeah probably a little bit I think my husband old... lets
2: me speak in full sentences I'm just kidding <laughs> I hate that aspect of it I I asked uh Cheryl the other day if there were any Latina brethren women and she was like how could there be? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I we went, we went, I went back and then in 04, it was decided that we would move as a family to Northern Ireland to be near my parents.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: So, so we moved and And I mean, I think my life did improve a bit. I hated Coventry. I hated Coventry as a outside city. I hated it as an inside city in the brother. Yeah. Um, but the the Irish are the Irish, you know, and, and they're That's just right. freer and more friendly and probably more alcohol involved. Um, that
2: is so racist, Anne. I mean, come
1: on. <laughs> oh, sorry.
2: It's true, but it's still...
1: <laughs> um, and I suppose the roles were reversed, actually, because then he was trying to fit in and he didn't fit in. You know, he nice. didn't have... He didn't have the Irish sense of humor. That's why We never really linked in any way. Um, he, yeah, he hated it. He worked for my family. And, and he just ended up using me as an antidepressant, really, sexually.
2: Um, if, if I can just, like, harken back to you when I first spoke on the phone, I'm going to predict it was, like, May or June, something like that. Uh, yeah. Th- of this year. And you said something to me that really stuck with me and um i'm i'm you're not saying the same thing today but i'm hearing a sort of cadence in your voice that i find to be generous towards your ex-husband and what you said to me on the phone months ago was that and i thought this was like um beautiful in a way and also i could not identify with it at all when you sort of gave him a little tiny bit of a break because of how he was raised
1: yeah i still do I still, I still, I'm not condoning what he's done, but the the PBCC, these are the sort of men that they make. Yeah, yeah. They they make these men because of how they're taught, what they're you know, Coventry was very legal within the brethren. You know, I remember the leaders standing up and talking about the women as usurpers of authority. And and you know, and my husband would bang the table and say, you know, be subject to me. Wow. Yeah. And and it I is,
2: it's just it's so absurd that yeah, it is. you know that that in twenty twenty-three um that 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 anyone would say that without immediately going, oh, I'm sorry, I just had a stroke. Sorry, guys. Women are equals. yeah, you know, Jesus Christ. Like, you know, did, did were husbands like? Did they have power just to like toss a look, and just like,
1: oh yeah, oh, yeah definitely.
2: You know what? I would like to have that power with my wife. I'm not going to lie. That would be a good power to have.
1: <laughs> you this, know? this is this is one of the things that I used to do with a look. So sometimes he thought my tops were a bit low. No, it
2: was just that he was a bit low.
1: (laughs) And he'd look across the meeting room and he'd go.
2: I hate that man already. I I do.
1: (laughs) So so yes, that that part of him as a person, I don't think he's a nice person. But the sexual side. I so think you think he was, was shaped
2: and influenced to be the kind of person that he was?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, he, he, as a, in his household, his dad didn't even allow him and his brother to see their sister in her nightdress. You know, that was, <laughs> you know, and, and, and he wouldn't let me put two little boys in a bath together. Yeah. That
2: is like alchemy-level ridiculousness, yeah. you know?
1: And then, <laughs> yeah. And I think because there's not the normal data of teenagers and all that, and I, and this still applies now, there's a sexual mm. frustration build up.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. The, the, that, they cite that as one of the reasons why, like, for a while, people were like, pedophiles much, must target careers as priests. But they found that, while that was true to a certain extent, a lot of people were not knowing how to place their sexual repression of being completely celibate yeah. for the rest of your life, right? Like, yeah. and and it creates kind of people doing weird things.
1: Um, yeah, and I think that was one of his things was, it, it, it gave him this warped view of, yeah. of the whole sexual thing. And it was all so, yeah, it was so warped that he didn't have a clue how to, know how to look at it in any, But I think that is a, he was worse than a lot, but I think it's a massive casualty among them.
2: Well, I was talking about this again last week with Cheryl and Richard about how since the Me Too movement, I have seen countless stories where a journalist or a media outlet will spotlight a relationship that two companies have with one another. If one of those companies has horrible press going on at that moment, often these companies are th- like think of like things like chick-fil-A right where, yeah. where they were like uh, uh, alleged to be anti-gay and then yeah. chick-fil-A was at. A- I sort of feel like the only untested um, strategy left uh, for the brethren to become a household name and for people to be like, wait a second, that is crazy is yeah. to is to utilize these social issues and be like, why is the Ronald McDonald House pairing with a company that is transparently anti-gay and that is clearly designed to oppress women? Why would they want to be associated with that company? And start getting people to start thinking about that kind of stuff. Um, You know, I'm hoping people listen when I say that and and start asking maybe their elected officials or whoever, just like the questions they need to. you know,
1: yeah, you think of so many of the, the big stores who mm-hmm. actually give money back into the brethren?
2: It's just as absurd if you heard this on the radio. The Ronald McDonald House would like to thank the Church of Scientology.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> if you don't see your relative, don't ask any questions.
1: Yeah.
2: actual right. relative may be dead, right? Like it's, you know, they wouldn't put, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't pair with that cult because everyone knows that they're a cult. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you the frustration that I have for the lack of appetite that that media has on this is bewildering
1: oh I, I, ugh, it just it drives me mad yeah, what is it? What do we need to do to get a- it?
2: I don't know the Cheryl hope interview um was a, a sort of a pivotal moment for the show and for Cheryl and a whole bunch of stuff and the the weird thing about that was, is that if you take someone like um, Robin Doolittle at the Globe and Mail in Canada, who reported a ton of me Too stories, she did a whole series called unfounded about police investigations and this and that. Yeah. But she would often um, and, and maybe I should uh, not single her up for this. Like, broadly speaking, a lot of these media outlets would run a typical story that was like this anonymous person. Accuses famous man of sexual assault uh no evidence no police reports no cooperating witnesses no nothing but it's front page news right this is what yeah yeah, Yeah, and and it's like okay that's interesting so inspired by that i i created um a rule at the time i think there i I can make some exceptions or whatever but where it's like if you're especially in canada if you're gonna accuse somebody of sexual assault that's fine um i'm not even saying i don't believe you but the, uh, you need to kind of have a police report as a, a Kevlar vest so that yeah. people, your critics can't come after you for something like that. And that was my only rule. But it was still much farther than the mainstream media had gone. And the mainstream media yeah. won't touch any of these stories. Not one of them.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, is it is it because they're scared of them? Or is it because they're, they're being paid? Or is it? I don't it, know. I don't know either. Yeah. I mean, I did. I was in the Times... Sunday Times about like four years ago. But they advised me to go um anonymous or change I changed my name, I think. Oh right. uh, yeah. But a, it is a tiny, tiny little bit.
2: Yeah, that's a signature move on the brethren's part, is that every single decision that they make during the excommunication process is designed for them not to get bad press whatsoever
0: right like yes, yes, they don't want yes. people
2: talking about it which is why here at blackballed we are going to saturate everything with as many brethren stories as we can because
1: and i, and I think you know what you about making bruce hill famous i think that's also yeah you, you know bringing up his face all the time
2: yeah i've been doing that but it's just um i get nauseous when i see his face it's <laughs> a
1: bit yeah
2: <laughs> it's like um excuse me can uh can you Take a picture of a person that maybe you don't want in your kids. Oh yeah, I got just the thing right here. Oh. <laughs> there he is. Hey, do oh. you like trucks? Like, I don't. Know.
1: Well, yeah. Seeing his face takes me back to 2010, which was a-, a pivotal, pivotal point for me in leaving. Really.
0: Yeah. So
1: he he came to our little locality of Warm Point. Warm Point was only about a hundred brethren. Um, okay. Anyways, and do he people came
2: are they like, like he's Liberace or Elvis? I mean, like, what do people, what is, is their reaction? Okay,
1: so I, this is me personally. I thought if I spoke to him, if he really was this person and I spoke to him, everything would be solved. <sighs> I didn't really think that, but I was doing this bargaining thing again. And yeah. I asked for a meeting with him.
2: <clears throat> really?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i mean this, the marriage was such a mess everything was such a mess anyway i asked for a meeting with him which was refused he was he had too many appointments so i was assigned to sit at the end of a row so that yeah so that everybody waits till he stands up after a meeting and so when he stood up everybody stands up and if you stand at the end of a row you can hope that you might get a chance to talk to him Yes. Yeah. well i give him I had a gift because that was my way off, <laughs> so I had this I had this bar of chocolate um which was personalized uh, the wrapper was personalized and it had a picture of warm point warm point's a very scenic place, and I okay. had a picture of that on it and it was I can't even remember what I put on the front I don't know our beloved brother or something probably yeah. <laughs> anyway to stop him in his tracks as he was going out of the room, I handed that to him.
2: I, I'm I'm quietly look. hoping right now it was a weed chocolate bar. There go, Bruce.
1: Should have been. Yeah, but he didn't even look at it. He passed it to the his guy uh, behind.
2: That is one of the repertoire that a snob will use. I yeah. I can't that that no look thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then he he sort of looked at me and said, "What's your name?" And I told him, and then he asked my daughter who was, who was ten. He asked her her name, and that was it. And I went, this is just a man. Are you surprised that the man
2: of God didn't know these people's names?
1: Oh, when I I left, when I told them it was all over and they told him all about me, he apparently remembered me. Yeah,
2: like.
1: Yeah, yeah, like. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Anyway, that, that was sort of... From that point on, I started um, watching YouTube videos of people leaving cults and that sort of thing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like the Amish and that type of thing. I, I was very fortunate because my second son was quite well. He was a bit of a rebel, but he was also quite tech savvy. So okay. he he unlocked our computer, so there was no restrictions on it. Oh, nice!
2: Yeah, those so we are used- the stories that I love. I love the like yeah. the seventeen-year-old that's like. Fuck this place, man. Fuck this. I'm going I'm, I'm gonna we this place,
1: to, Yeah, we used to sit around the computer screen, you know, watching a uh, faulty tars. <laughs> oh <laughs>
2: that's funny. L- Lane Admiral told a story on on my podcast uh I don't know, a month ago or something, about how Bruce Hale stayed at his family's home. And oh, wow. uh, Lane was sleeping in the basement and Bruce was sleeping directly above him. And because of the way that you think when you're inside, Lane took a pornography magazine and put <laughs> it in the vent between the man of God and himself to see if Bruce would sense the sin, to which he did not, yeah, much so to everyone's surprise. Um except for so which people.
1: he did not, yeah, exactly. And which is um, just a
2: clear example of how it makes you think. Like, the logic centers are there, but apply to yeah.
1: it yeah they yeah. are but it's it's just strange i mean that that time in when he came to warm point we were like i say it was a small locality and a small room it was all on one level not like some of the big rooms and mm-hmm. they even had like all the children sitting in the, the center circle okay and it was likened to the children sitting at jesus feet wow yeah
2: i don't know it's uh i have to try to be sensitive about um the fact that if you're if if no one if we lived in a world where no one ever said oh by the way there's no santa claus there's no santa claus if everyone would just there'd be people that believe in santa claus that were that were older right and they would have the body of evidence would it what that exists for that is basically nothing except for stories and they would have to come to terms with the fact that they, because we didn't instill it in them. Oh, by the way, that's why I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to tangent here for a second. Um, I, I think I created this technique. So I wa- I don't want my kids to believe in God. So when it, ta- when, when it comes time to um, talk about the Easter bunny and Santa Claus and the tooth fairy, okay. I'm just going to throw Jesus in the pile. So they'll always associate him with those characters. And I think,
1: I think, I think we're going to see good results, <laughs> you know? I think, it's I think My I, son's
2: going to become a priest because he's rebelling against me. You know.
1: I, I asked my partner the other day. Actually, whenever you find out that Santa Claus wasn't real, were well, you not really annoyed with your parents? You know, you not angry with them? Said, no, not really. But like for me, it feels like I've been lied to for forty-four years. Do you know what I mean? My parents started that, and it's like,
2: <laughs> yeah, I thought stuff like that too. I was just like, what kind of bullshit is this? Like, why would you do this? And um, you know, we
1: wanted to give you a magical childhood. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't On even your know throne
2: of lies, mother.
1: Yeah, you know. I didn't even know that it, that kids really did believe in Santa Claus till after I left, till ten years ago. And I look back to my childhood when I was five, six, or whatever, going to school and telling telling the other kids Santa Claus isn't real, yeah. <laughs> and they must have hated me.
2: And what a risky industry, the mall Santa is, you know, yeah. a drunk old man with countless children sitting on his knee. And yeah. it's not a stereotype that Santa does those horrible things. They're probably too drunk. Right. But yeah. And by the way, it's a tough job. I was a mall Santa um, for like three weeks uh, in the really? center yeah. in Toronto. Yeah. I got it on a fluke. The guy wanted to go home. He's like, here, just take the job. And I was Santa Claus. It is emotionally draining. And you are yeah. super hot in that suit, but um, imagine, yeah. but it's really interesting. I got one child was like Santa, and I'm like, yes, my child. Whatever. She's like, <laughs> I was wondering if you could bring mommy back from heaven. Ah, oh. and I was like, Santa's crying. <laughs> like oh. I'm, just, I, I'm trying to hold it together. And if that, if I wasn't having the beard on, she'd see a quivering chin and like this weak ass man, you know, falling apart. But um, anyways, it. it uh, I would include Santa Claus as part of the yeah, Jesus yeah. motif, you know, and try yeah. to do like that. Um, yeah. If you don't mind me asking, do you, what, what, how did you reconcile your own personal beliefs
1: now that you're out? Well, I, I'm not a believer. I am okay. as well as agnostic, I would say. You know, I, I, maybe there is something, but nobody's... That's just a polite atheist.
2: Agnosticism I, is just polite atheism
1: yeah probably yeah yeah i don't want to say that word so i don't say it i i
2: I was uh an arrogant atheist um i guess like going back 20 years ago to like maybe 10 years ago or something i was like more of an anti-theist you know i was like not only do i don't believe in god but the very idea of one absolutely repulses me (laughs) like i was like that idiot i didn't talk like that but um you know it's uh it's very interesting to see the belief systems that each individual yes. excommunicated member yes. has because there yes. are atheists and agnostics and then there are like, you know, yes. straight up believers. Like I talk to some people sometimes um, and we go back and forth about their story and then all of a sudden a very long Bible verse will appear out of nowhere. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that.
1: No, I, I can't. If somebody starts talking scripture or anything like that to me i'm immediately oh i just yeah. i just back right away i can't i can't, I can't deal with it
2: i it would like to have a rule on blackboard where the only religious speaking that can occur has to be in tongues only
1: <laughs> right? yeah, yeah it's also, it it's not it always amazes me that people that that you know are quite spiritual after the leave or you know yeah. christian whatever but i suppose it's just everybody's journey is different for me, it was, none of it worked for me. You know, I tried praying about it. I tried being good. I tried reading my Bible. Nothing worked. You know, I, it just, just didn't pan out how I wanted. You know, that's not
2: different from Catholicism, by the way. I remember no. being no, no, no. No. I remember being in like grade one. It was just after first communion. I had a big crush on Andrea Schultes, who I ascertained was a big believer in Jesus, right? And I remember sitting in the church just kind of looking at everyone else. And then I would like, I did this once. <laughs> I just put my hands <laughs> up. And, and while I'm doing it, I'm looking at the light bulb because that's the big spiritual thing that I was yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't think this is doing shit. This is doing nothing. This is like, yes. th- there's something wrong here. And I and I was all upset. And I don't think i believed ever since. You know, and it's...
1: No, I'm a Maybe it is, I suppose, people, it is, you have to believe it, don't you? And I don't think From Like I say, from the age of 13 at least, I just don't think I believed in any of that stuff. And so when I pray, it just seemed to bounce off the ceiling and back down, you know, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's a strange thing. And plus we had nuns that were like horror movie nuns, you know, the kind. They would look like actual skeletons with like, you know, tissues on. Gliding
1: along as though they got wheels on their shoes. (laughs) Oh, they
2: were awful. It was because they're sexually repressed too. It does... Things to people, right? Like they're married to the only thing that they have going for them is that they're married to a husband that they've never seen. (laughs) (laughs) Not even once. Um, Probably never will. (laughs) Yeah, but but the nuns in my school, I just have this one memory, actually. I shouldn't blanket all the nuns with this, but um, I uh Tony Heron, I believe his name was, uh and maybe I'm getting this wrong, but I I thought he was Jewish. There there was a Jewish person in our class, never went up for communion or whatever. And I don't think the nun knew that that he was Jewish. And I said, uh sister um hag face whatever your name was um she was awful she was horrible. i'm like what happens to and i just use jewish people as an example when they die and she was like oh james that's a very good question um jews go to hell when they die and i'm just like i'm 13 and my moral center is crumbling and you're just sitting there smiling this is crazy and uh yeah so there there's that common thread in religion of uh what do they call it hatred of things right yeah you know
1: yeah absolutely
2: so um yeah. listen I, I am i have no regrets how we did this podcast but we hardly covered any of your life stories <laughs> but <laughs> um do you want to do a part two sometime in the next 10 days because yeah, maybe can we do, do yeah. It like that well, we'll this will be, be yeah. the lols uh episode uh, i'm glad we did it i'm i you have, you have no idea how grateful i am to have a conversation where i'm oh. not like Will I have to, will I have to do this? So no one sees me cry. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> just, just
2: give me January, everybody, you know, just give me January. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly.
1: yeah. But yeah. I really
2: enjoyed this. Um, I, I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I do want to have a second part. We could do like five parts with you seriously. And, and, and maybe we should, because um, you know, what you're doing now as well, maybe we'll end on that. Can you uh, talk a little bit about how you're trying to assist ex members?
1: yeah well i suppose my book is a big thing yeah. um it's for, for for members in there but um ex-members as well it, t- yeah just to give them that look you can't have a good life out here <laughs> you can yeah. um and oh i just i just long that my kids will somehow yeah realize that they can make a choice i was told i didn't have a choice you do have a choice yeah and you can choose life choose yeah. life don't choose death like i almost choo- chose choose life freedom that's
2: right. yeah that's right um i could talk to you forever uh but we do have to go and we will schedule a, a part 2 in the next 10 days um i yeah. needed this and thank you i i really um i really do appreciate the time and i appreciate sure. uh, just a relaxed <laughs> atmosphere. Maybe I just allowed casual Friday to leak a little bit into today, but um,
1: okay. I, yeah. I don't mind just having a chat anyway. Yeah. yeah, It's, it's a little like- less
2: pressure. I've had one or two guests call me afterwards and was like, um, James, uh, I'm being told that it was a pretty good interview. Uh, that was exhausting. Please don't ever do that again. <laughs> right? Like it wasn't oh, right. like, they weren't mad at the questions, but they were like, I don't mind answering that question, but that emotionally was, you know, crazy. And um, yeah. Yeah
1: there is times when I get emotional and that would be when I'm maybe talking about my kids, but on the, on the whole, and I honestly believe that um, writing on my book has been so therapeutic that Mm. it's almost like I'm talking about someone else most of the time.
2: That's good. That, that, that uh, indicates growth, right? Like from the person you're writing about. Yeah.
1: But if, you know, if I, if I talk about my kids and as an, as individuals, then I sometimes do get
2: emotional, yeah. See, I'm such a, like, uh, like I'm like this with my kids. Dad, first of all, kids, daddy can do whatever he wants. Okay, that's the one rule. Um, this and that. And, and I would be, I'd be like, kidnapping my kids. I've I escaped. time to go gather the troops. I would just kidnap my kids. I wish, <laughs> I, could. I, wish I Yeah, I wish I could, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. I had this little thread. I'll just sort of finish on this, but I had this little thread of hope for a few weeks there, somebody Um, who had recently left, give me my youngest son's contact, he's 21 now. And, uh, because they had changed all their numbers to block me and whatever. But I sent him a WhatsApp message. Um, And over the, it's probably actually over the last six months, I've sent him three messages. And and I know he's read every one. And And I've been able to see his profile photo. But I don't know why, for some reason, on Christmas Day, he blocked me.
2: Wow. That's like salt in a wound, right? Like it's because it's like it's almost like you're celebrating blocking. Have you got
1: time for me just to read a message that he sent to somebody while they were still in? So this, yeah, my son was—he uh, was eleven when I left.
0: Hmm.
1: He's Twenty-one now. And and just quickly, my two youngest lived with me for three years. I got custody oh. of them. Oh, nice. But then, anyway. Yeah. So this—this this is what he said about me to somebody else. I—I I think the hardest part for me for me was I am the baby, and she has always been my best friend. I'm a softie so even when she was confined i was still living with her and she would come and sleep in my bed for comfort because she had cancer at that time that was hard i love her and i know she loves me but it's just torn as i didn't want to leave her but i couldn't live with her being against mr Hale's. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's. it's um, I couldn't be with anyone against Mister Hills. Against Mister Hills is uh, nothing has the, about
1: nothing about God, exact, nothing it, about Jesus, nothing about the Bible, Mister Hales.
2: But that's the thing. It, it's it's. I it reminded me of the phrase. Well, the Bible says, and then everything that comes after that is like that's one hundred percent factual. Talking snake, right? Like there, and it reminds me of that. It's it's a throwaway phrase that blankets. Everything it's like oh Bruce Hales oh good great point Randy Bruce Hales right and it, and it has that power and it's, people revere him and um
1: yeah
2: yeah well
1: anyway that's ending yeah. on a bit of a low there but
2: <laughs> well that's not really a low fuck Bruce Hales yeah that's a positive message. well it
1: was a positive for me because I didn't mm. I didn't even think he would remember about those things like. When I had cancer, he, he would say to me, "Mom, don't close your bedroom door. I won't close mine. If you need comfort in the night, come and get in bed with me." Oh. And I did. You know, this if is sense that you
2: needed nurturing yourself, right? Because
1: yeah, he was yeah. he was twelve when I got cancer.
2: Yeah,
1: I'd been out of the brother in just over a year um that's
2: what we're gonna open with um at the next show is your family stuff um because yeah. I, I avoided that on purpose just for today because it yeah. is it's not doing it a service unless we i would like 90 minutes for that one if we could yeah. um um and hamilton um it's a pleasure to finally meet you face to face i appreciate yeah. you coming and we'll see you sometime in the next 10 days thank you very much
1: yeah thank you thanks james
2: thank you uh, i don't feel stressed <laughs> i don't feel like, I'm not trying to like, okay, ignore your own memories, <laughs> uh, repress, push down, you know, uh, the, and people weren't expecting that. And, um, and that's why I loved it. Um, and I was told, uh, after I was told, uh, what kind of personality, what kind of person and Hamilton was, um, yeah, that's what, uh, that is what I decided to do because um of all the things i said on the show which is that it's it's nice uh not to sort of make somebody's personal brand entirely about them being a victim when they were younger uh and so i think we we owe it to them sometimes not even to open with that um to in the opening for me for guests like this is that you're an ex-member of the pbcc what is your unique story like and um you know and you can tell it on my show and um yeah she's uh she's great so and and also she's five foot nine and and um I, I just think it's hilarious that she had to obey um RD Ziff uh, when she first got married so that's weird um but I'm glad she's out now she seems um she's also very helpful to other ex members and I can't just say good uh, enough good things about Ann Hamilton <sighs> I have heinous cases this week maybe where we look at the Paul Palmeran case with Rob Kiblikin. I have on Wednesday, Melissa Lauren. She is a jazz singer from Toronto who op- also happens to be um, a longtime friend. And um, do we have Tom Green? I don't know. You want to know why I don't know? Because I don't know yet. Um, But there's something that might be happening. So that should be fun. And yeah, my thanks again to Anne Hamilton. And we will see you next time on.
1: Blackboard. Black, black boy, black 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 boy, black 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 boy, black 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 black.